The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. A very good morning, everybody. Welcome to the programme. This is Squawk Box with Karen, Steve and myself, Jeff Cutmore. Within the last few minutes, we've learnt that President Trump has tested positive for COVID-19. Donald Trump says he and the First Lady, who has also tested positive, are now quarantining. This after top aide Hope Hicks tests positive after travelling with the White House in a circle. U.S. futures are trading lower on the news while talks between House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin once again failed to reach a stimulus agreement as negotiations continue. The Japanese stock market reopens after the worst outage since the 1990s, but struggles to find direction amid quiet Asian trade. Of course, that was before we just learned about President Trump's uh, positive test on coronavirus. European leaders agreed to sanction Belarus with immediate effect, but Brexit looms large over talks in Brussels amid the EU's legal case against the UK government. US President Donald Trump says he and First Lady Melania Trump have now tested positive for coronavirus. This after his top aide, Hope Hicks, tested positive for COVID-19. She frequently travels with the president and the White House in a circle, including attending the first debate in Ohio. Uh, let's have a quick look at the futures then and see what happens here as we uh, get confirmation from the president that he now has COVID. And as you can see, we are seeing some uh, deterioration. I would imagine the first reaction at this point really is a scramble to figure out what the consequences of this are likely to be for both the election and the um, maintenance of power through the position of the presidency. Uh, as I say, we have only just seen the president's tweet. This happened just a couple of minutes before we came to air. So it's very fresh for us, and I think it's very fresh for the investment markets. And as you can see in Asia, we have tipped into negative territory largely across the Asian markets that are trading. Probably worth adding if you don't follow the Asian markets too closely. We do have a lot of Asian markets not active today as they continue their mid-autumn festival. But I think uh, it is clear, given that we had a largely positive close for the trading session yesterday and a very strong up leg for the Nasdaq and the growth stocks that the tone of today's early futures is very negative and it seems that the market reaction at this point is to sell down on the back of this news. Markets sell down on uncertainty. This is uncertainty. Uncertainty for A, um, the president's health and of course we have to be totally honest about this. Uh, people of a certain age demographic are more likely to have more severe symptoms uh, when they have COVID-19. And the president, who is in his early 70s, and we understand he's a very healthy uh, man in his early 70s, the fact of the matter is it is a more of a, a tricky 
demographic when it comes to COVID-19. So for a start, people will be wanting to know about and actively wanting to know about the, the updates on the president's health. And as we say, we've only literally just had this one tweet for a start. Two, the ramifications for Joe Biden as well. Because, of course, um, we know that transmission of COVID-19 can happen by spores in the air, what have you. And there was a very vociferous debate, as we all know, uh, in Cleveland, Ohio this week on the presidential debate. So is there any danger to the Democratic candidate as well? Does that mean he will test positive? Again, a man who's in his late 70s as well. Third ramification, what does it mean uh, for the election, for the election build-up and for the debates as well? Uh, and indeed, um, for the effective running of the administration in the meantime. So there are lots of very clinical questions, but of course, the, the most important thing is, of course, that everybody, I think, wants the president uh, to get well as soon as possible. Karen. I guess there's a sense of shock. It reminds me of when I was on air and we found out that Boris Johnson here in the UK had tested positive. There's this sense of um, just, you know, I guess, you know, shock that overcomes you that, that it can happen to a leader of a major country. And the timing is just unbelievable, isn't it? In the UK, it was when we were dealing with coronavirus, the very first wave, the onset of the virus. And in the United States, clearly the timing is just incredible because it is, it is right on the, the eve of the election, these huge debates that are now scheduled for later this month. So I think that the timing is probably what investors are reacting to at this point. Also, it does tend to throw the spotlight again on coronavirus and the president's handling of the pandemic. There were so many issues that came up in the debate. And in some ways, coronavirus was overshadowed by a lot of other different factors that came into the mix. This time around, you've got to say, we get that spotlight firmly back on this pandemic. And you think about the way the president uh, had managed the message around it, initially played down the virus. He spoke about all sorts of uh, different treatments to avoid catching coronavirus, including hydroxychloroquine. Often he shunned the, the wearing of masks as well. So a lot of this is going to come back up before the election as well. And uh, clearly, you know, the, as you point out, there are risks around what type of coronavirus this could be for him, whether it's a mild version or whether it's a more severe version. And that has enormous implications as we count down to the 3rd of November. Yeah, Karen, thank you uh, for that. Just looking at the chain of succession here then and trying to understand the constitutional process. There is a clear chain. Uh, Vice President Mike Pence next up. Then we get Speaker Pelosi. Senator Grassley is the president pro tempore who would step in if it required that to happen at this stage. But as I say, very early doors and we're just figuring out at this stage uh, what powers, if any, the president might choose to hand over whilst in quarantine. Jeff Henriksen is with us, co-founder and CEO of Thorpe Abbott's Capital. Um, Jeff, good morning to you. Um, your initial thoughts welcome at this point, both in terms of what you now think this means for the election process and how investors should be reacting. Yeah, so I mean, I, I literally just learned this as you guys did. So I've been just trying to kind of process it. Uh, look, I think uh, one of your colleagues uh, said it perfectly when she said that uh, this is going to throw a spotlight back on the virus. I mean, uh, we've been uh, kind of viewing this market as, as uh, the pattern of attention uh, among market participants is kind of really hovering around two narratives. One is is, is deeply focused on on COVID, the ramifications for the economy, uh, kind of this this slow um, this slow disaster that just keeps going. Uh, and then the other narrative is one that we're kind of getting past it, and we're getting you know into a robust uh, recovery or more robust recovery. Um, 
and that maybe the world will start looking more normal in 2021. And so those kind of narratives have been playing out over the last three months. And you can see it in how, you know, on some days you'll see uh, more growth oriented uh, uh, companies, companies that are, are deemed to be, you know, going to do well in any kind of world, whether with what, uh, whatever happens to COVID versus companies that need a recovery. Uh, to do well. And I think that this event is going to put more focus on on COVID is, is really the driver of things at the moment. And uh, and then it, it, with regards to, um, you know, there's already been a lot of uncertainty around the, the election and just political uncertainty in general in this country. And I think uh, this only heightens it. So uh, I think you mentioned, I don't have my uh, monitor in front of me, but futures have taken a, a hit. I would uh, we'll, we'll see what happens in the morning in the U.S. But this is yeah, this is big news. Um, and I think a lot of people are going to try to make heads of, of how to interpret uh, what this means for, um, well, for the political situation for President Trump. Uh, you know, look, he's he is an older gentleman, so there's there's risk there. And uh, I think, uh, yeah, we're going to have to um, digest it all and, and and hope for the best and hope he has a mild case of it. Yeah, I'm just looking at my uh, my my futures on on my screen as well, uh, Jeff. There, and we're talking about at the moment. I saw what, the flash headline on CMB.com was the fact that they've seen futures fall around about 400 points on the Dow. But now I'm seeing a day change of down 0.8 of a percent uh, for the Dow futures, a similar decline for the S and P. This okay. adds another element of uncertainty for investors as well. And Jeff, I, I know it's unsavory to talk about financial markets and oscillations on this when, of course, the um, the the president has got COVID-19 with a positive test as well. But do you expect this to negate any interest or the real interest in issues such as the payroll, which was the main event today? Yeah, I mean, like, I... I, I think it will. I mean, I, look, I think the payroll report is important because it's a it's 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 an indicator of how robust um, the the recovery is or or isn't, I guess. Uh, and 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 the other way that we were looking at the payroll report was how the market responds because how the market responds to just take the payroll report for instance kind of gives you an idea of where the patterns of attention are focusing. Um, how the market I, this is a game changer, I think, in in, in the short run anyway. I mean, um, I I really think. We have been bouncing around in terms of markets looking at this uh, COVID is going to be here for a long time. Uh, it's the new normal versus the recovery narrative. And I think this is going to put focus really back on on the the, the COVID view of, of, of markets. So uh, just off the top of my head, I, I think that you'll see more um, probably more uh, more of the um, you know, the, the tech sector will probably continue to hold up pretty well. And I would think that some of the more cyclical names that require a recovery are probably going to um, not benefit because when the world really focuses on on all the effects that COVID have, when it really becomes, when it really brings into stark reality uh, that we're you know potentially going into a winter, where we're going to have a second wave. I mean, President Trump getting this really highlights that in a way that I think it'll focus attention back on, on the virus and, and uh, the effects it'll have. So uh, I would think that uh, it's, it's, that that narrative is going to be really driving uh, market uh, behavior going forward for the near future. It highlights, anyway. it highlights, doesn't it, that that everybody is vulnerable at this point. And it also begs the question whether you see more restrictions across economies, uh, depending on what plays out here. That's always been the risk around the second wave. What type of restrictions would go into force in various places? Would it be as bad as the first wave where we saw fairly severe lockdowns take place? And I think if you look at the market reaction, you've got risk off on a number of assets, uh, even on the Australian dollar and the Kiwi dollar. So the market has just gone risk off. Do you think this is also an interpretation 
that the market is saying, well, that's it for campaigning now. You've got debates that were scheduled. Perhaps they're just not going to go ahead. And perhaps this signals that Joe Biden's chances of winning the election have improved here. And this might be a market early market reaction we're seeing. I, I, I'm, not, I, I'm not a political commentator. I, um, I mean, I, I know a lot of people in the U.S. after the first debate kind of or, or didn't even know if, if they wanted to see another one. It wasn't exactly the uh, highlight of, uh, of debates in uh, U.S. presidential history. But uh, I, I really don't know. I mean, I think um, the election is, uh, is, is going to be a big driver of markets in the, in the months ahead. I mean, there's a lot of uncertainty around um, – whether or not we're going to we're going to get a definitive answer on who the president is going to be uh, um, on on November third, um, and and you know and it, so that's driving things right now. This uh, just it throws another just uncertainty bomb in the air that uh, that I think uh, yeah I mean the, I mean but you know look the, there's, the the Fed has done a lot to drive this market and it's it's overcome a lot so. Um, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, odds are that that, that the president will, will will be fine and and uh, and will get over this. And and I still believe that ultimately is you know humanity is going to get over COVID too. And and so ultimately, I think the recovery narrative plays out. And I think um, we have to take advantage of mispricing as investors that that get created because of this. Um, but it's the the path between where we are now and how we get to that recovery is 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 going to be fraught with danger. And, and I think investors have to uh, expect more volatility, but be but, but ready to take advantage of volatility when opportunities present themselves. Um, so I, I, I think we, and I know that's probably not going to give your, your viewers any, any certainty over, over, you know, I, I can't predict what the next six months is going to look like. I, I am confident that, that eventually this, this too shall pass. And I think we will go back to a world that is much closer to a, a pre-COVID normal than than what is implied by um, the market prices and a lot of more a lot of the cyclical names that are still very cheap. Uh, and so, I think from a, an investing perspective, I think we have to take advantage of uh, how market reactions create mispricing and, and how we can find opportunities. But yeah, I, I look at this is this is going to increase volatility for sure. I would think, especially in the short run. Jeff, we're going to leave it there, but thank you very much indeed. Um, a tricky task reacting to extraordinary news we've had literally in the last 10 minutes or so. So we appreciate your time, sir. Um, wish you well. Jeff thank Henriksen, you. who is a co-founder and CEO of Thorpe Abbott Capital. Right. We have a, uh, a small addition to the information we've received already. Uh, and this information comes from a memorandum from the president's physician. Uh, this gentleman is Sean Connolly, who is a commander in the U.S. Navy. He's been physician uh, to the U.S. president since May the 4th, 2018, uh, when he uh, came uh, took over from Ronnie Jackson. Um, right, let's just see what uh, Sean Connolly has said. I released the following information with the permission of President Donald J. Trump and First Lady Melania Trump. Uh, this evening, I received confirmation that both President Trump and First Lady Melania Trump had tested positive for the SARS cove 2 virus. The President and First Lady are both well at this time. They are both well at this time and they plan to remain at home within the White House during their convalescence. I think the next paragraph and the final paragraph is actually incredibly important, so I'll read this to you. The White House medical team and I will maintain a vigilant watch and I appreciate the support provided by some of the country's greatest medical profession professionals and institutions. Rest assured, now this is what I think is the key point, I expect the president to continue carrying out his duty without disruption whilst recovering. 
and I will keep you updated on any future developments. And why I think that's so important is because that is a similar line to what we've seen when other world leaders and important politicians uh, have had a positive coronavirus diagnosis, i.e. they will carry on their work. Uh, but, and the only caveat I will say is that when we saw Boris Johnson originally protesting positive, the, we heard that he was working on his red boxes, his daily uh, intray. He was still working from Downing Street. And then at a later stage, uh, things took to be fair, a term for the worse. And immediately he was hospitalised uh, at St Thomas's in London as well. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was a very tricky 48 hours for everyone working at the developments around the Prime Minister. But in terms of this case, it appears very different at the moment from that scenario, i.e. the physician to the president says the president will continue carrying out his duties without disruption whilst recovering in his expectation. So, I mean, it's a holding statement. And inevitably, this is what you would expect at this point. Handily, the Brookings Institute have actually put out a long piece about what should happen in case the president gets COVID-19. And I've just been working my way down through it. And I think the point you make about the communication side of the presidency or any political office is critically important at this stage. And the reality is... The president himself would would not want to present himself in a state, a condition that somehow suggested he wasn't weathering COVID-19 well. And the second point is the one that relates to what you said about Boris Johnson. The minute Boris Johnson went on a ventilator, effectively it is difficult for him to physically communicate anyway because part of the mechanical process is they put a tube down your throat. So on both of those counts, I think the the nation and the world should expect a period of time perhaps where the president isn't seen publicly yeah. for a while here and we just take at face value any of the statements or updates that we get from the physician or from the body of office. Look, we don't know how severely the president will get COVID-19, but we do know even those of us who have no mm. medical knowledge whatsoever that there are a vast range of outcomes in terms of how you feel and how you react to COVID-19, i.e. you can literally not know you've got it apart from the positive diagnosis, or it can be stunningly severe. Uh, And let's be honest about it, it can be life-threatening as well. So we don't know how bad the US president will get it. But one thing is very clear is that people who do get COVID-19 need to rest if indeed um, they, they, they show signs of fatigue and they show signs of actually uh, breathlessness and what have you, because actually yeah. one of the criticisms uh, of why Boris Johnson got it so bad in the end was that he carried on working too hard uh, and then it just took its toll on him as well. So, you know, as much as the president wants to appear very strong, wants to appear like he's working here, according to the physician. Yeah. If you get this, you've got to be very, very careful about your workload. Uh, So we're 18 minutes past the hour. If you're just catching up with us, uh, just to remind you, our headline story this morning, President Trump and the First Lady have now tested positive for COVID-19. As we continue the programme, three focuses for us this morning. What does the health of the president look like going forward? What happens to the transition of power if he is incapacitated? And of course, how do the markets continue to react to this? We will take the break. We'll be right back, everybody, with the implied open on the Dow Jones futures off 400 points. We'll see you right after the break.
Listen to CNBC's Beyond the Valley, the podcast that explores the biggest tech news from across the globe. Join me, Arjun Karpal. And me, Tom Chitty, every week as we bring you insights into the top stories, unpack the latest trends, and find out where the industry is headed. Now available on Spotify, Apple Music, and Google Podcasts. Welcome back, everybody. This is Squatbox on CNBC Europe. Uh, within the last half hour, we have learned from the president's own Twitter account that he and the first lady have tested positive for COVID-19. The uh, U.S. futures have gone uh, deeply negative, implying uh, an open at this stage uh, down over 400 points for the Dow Jones. But this is a knee-jerk reaction in the markets. We'll continue to track and watch. The Asian session is largely negative uh, at this point, um, given what there is of it. Many of the uh, greater China markets are actually closed as they continue their mid-autumn festival uh, celebrations. Uh, And so we are uh, working through the initial consequences of this, both for the election and, of course, for the current chain of succession and what ultimately will happen to President Trump. I think I was just referencing um, the handy Brookings Institute piece on uh, what should happen if the president were to get COVID-19. They obviously make the point that given the president's age and his weight, um, he is in the higher risk category. No one would wish any ill will on the president. But of course, as you pointed out, Steve, we have seen with Boris Johnson that you can be quite seriously affected and it does have implications for your presence uh, publicly and it does have implications for the way policy goes forward because it did feel here in the UK while Boris Johnson was incapacitated there was ultimately no progress on many key policy issues that I think the uh, community and the markets yeah. were looking for I at that stage. I think it's very fair to say that people thought that Boris Johnson um, was a figurehead and then when Boris Johnson was incapacitated. Actually, uh, I think those who stepped up, and I think it's fair to say that First Minister Dominic Raab uh, didn't necessarily instill the confidence if the Foreign Secretary that many hoped he would do, that the likes of Michael Gove uh, didn't necessarily instill the same kind of confidence. So I think people realised quite quickly that Boris Johnson was more than just a figurehead. Now, let's go forward to the current situation as well. Uh, And and again, I'll make the point, and I know we're going to Eamon Javers in a few moments' time, but the point has to be made that Boris Johnson works too hard after his diagnosis uh, and then perhaps suffered detrimental health issues on the back of that and of course was then rushed to St Thomas's Hospital. First we told it was just for preliminary checks but then actually we know he was very close to being putting on a ventilator. He didn't go on a ventilator but he did receive uh, many uh, litres of oxygen as well. So the president is an older man. We know that. He is in a uh, more susceptible age group. There have been questions about his weight previously. The the president has robustly um, refuted those concerns about his health previously. Let's face it, he he does play a significant amount of sport, golf, and walks around a lot. And that, so he is in a high degree of health. There are certain other factors about his health which are in his favour, others perhaps which are against him as well. But he is in a dangerous demographic. Uh, let's bring in Eamon Javers, who joins us now on the line from Washington, D.C. Eamon, just give us a sense of the initial reaction there at this hour in Washington. 
Good morning. Well, it's the middle of the night here in Washington, D.C., and so the, the reaction is muted so far. Uh, but this will send shockwaves throughout Washington and across the country when the nation wakes up to the news in the morning. Uh, the memorandum from the president's physician, as I'm sure you guys have seen, uh, has just been sent out within the past uh, 25 minutes or so. Uh, and it, it confirms that the president has tested positive on COVID-19. And what they're saying here is that the president and the first lady are both well at this time, and they plan to remain uh, home within the White House during their convalescence. Uh, No information here in terms of what they're experiencing symptom-wise. So we don't know uh, how serious this is initially. Are are the president and the first lady in that category of people who seem to be able to test positive but sail through relatively unscathed? Or are they in for a rougher road? And as you all were just discussing, you know, the president is 74 years old, and that is one of the uh, buckets of of people that have really suffered with this uh, disease, which is people in their uh, 70s have not had great outcomes here. So this is a dangerous time for the president and for the first lady, and uh, we'll have to watch this. The White House sent out the official schedule for tomorrow earlier this evening um, before this diagnosis, as if everything was normal for Friday in Washington, and we assume now that will be torn up, and we'll see how the president manages to quarantine while still uh, keeping his hands uh, on on the ship, the wheel of the ship of state here. Um, You know, this is unprecedented uh, in American history, and we will have to see how this president handles it. Eamon, um, so many questions, and thank you so much indeed for giving us all you have so far on on the latest. But I I have two questions, and I don't know if you can give me any clarity. First question is, of course, people will now be looking at Joe Biden. You mentioned the president being 74, Joe Biden is 77. I'm just looking at pictures of the Cleveland debate, and I would say there was a good three metres plus between the two candidates as well. But it was a vociferous debate, as we know, and so there will be questions now about whether Mr Biden uh, will also be uh, tested vociferously. I'm sure he will be anyway, and I know he has been tested a lot. So there's those questions there. And secondly, we've heard noises in the last 24 hours that uh, maybe uh, Nancy Pelosi and Steve Mnuchin can have one last go at getting stimulus. Would any form of uh, presidential um, health issues potentially dent the ability to get a stimulus deal? You know, I don't think so. Uh, uh, the Treasury Secretary Mnuchin has been negotiating largely on his own, and, and there are inside dynamics inside the Trump administration that don't go away, whether the president is uh, actively engaged or not. You know, there are some within the administration who, who worry that uh, this is simply too much money to spend, that they're worried about the deficit uh, here in the United States, and they're concerned that, uh, you know, meeting the Democrats uh, at their offer is going to cripple the nation in the long run, even if it helps in the short run. So uh, those dynamics, I don't think, go away. Uh, It might give Mnuchin actually a slightly freer hand uh, if the president is uh, is not able to participate in this debate in a a full and present way. Um, And Mnuchin might become more of an independent actor. He's very senior within the administration, and he outranks uh, many of the people who uh, disagree with him inside the administration. Um, so that, that it, it's hard to tease out what the dynamic would be, but if anything, it would give Mnuchin a freer hand maybe to cut a deal. Uh, but that's speculative at this point. Hey, man, just um, just to... Fi- Mnuchin- yeah, sorry, carry on. Well, I was just going to say, in terms of Biden, you would imagine you're right, that he will be tested. You know, we saw the two men, maskless, uh, you know, really going after each other. 
from a social distance, but they were inside. Uh, so you'd imagine that Biden and his entire team will be tested shortly. And Biden is another person who falls in that category in, in terms of age uh, who might be susceptible to the virus. And that's been a big concern. Biden has been much more cautious overall in his approach. You know, he has not been out uh, in big rallies, not been traveling extensively, although he is on a, an Amtrak tour of certain counties right now. Uh, he has not been as aggressively forward-leaning as President Trump has been. Uh, and President Trump has been accused, in fact, of being reckless about the virus and, and being out too much and endangering his own supporters because he continues to hold rallies and his supporters continue to show up uh, without masks. And in fact, during that debate, on Tuesday night, the president uh, mocked Biden for wearing a mask. You know, he mocked mocked him for wearing a, a mask everywhere he goes. He says uh, Biden could be speaking 200 feet away from them, and he shows up with the biggest mask I've ever seen. You know, that kind of a comment indicates the president's sort of disdain for people who wear masks, although he said he's okay with masks himself. Uh, you have rarely seen the president wearing a mask in public, and, and he has taken a much more aggressive and now uh, will learn maybe a much more risky approach overall. Yeah, let me ask you, um, Eamon, if I might, just where that then takes us in terms of the behavior of states, because at, in different states, we've seen different governors reacting differently to COVID. And of course, that itself has generated a lot of uh, backlash. Given that uh, we've seen lots of pictures already of Hope Hicks traveling with the president and the first lady and no one was wearing a mask and no one seemed to be adopting distancing procedures, do you think that there will be reverberations now through the rest of the United States over the next 24, 48 hours where we see state governors actually beginning to get a, li a little more real about social distancing and about mask wearing and about the appropriate protocols? Well, I think it's going to be a big symbolic wake-up call for everyone in the country. There's an enormous number of people uh, in the United States who are skeptical of mask wearing, skeptical of closing businesses, uh, who feel that this has all been overdone. I think a lot of those folks will uh, take a hard look at this and say, you know what, maybe uh, this is a slightly more dangerous than I thought. A lot of that will depend on, on uh, how the president does, right? If he's able to shrug this off in a couple of days and get back to work, uh, you know, I think that will reinforce the message to some of his supporters that, uh, you know, this isn't that big of a threat and people are overreacting to it. Uh, if, in fact, he has a, a tougher struggle, then I think that will reinforce the message. But I think when, when America wakes up tomorrow uh, or in the morning today, I guess it is now, in the middle, middle of the night here, as I say, uh, you, you will see an enormous reaction to this uh, on both sides. The, the, the harsh reality, though, of American politics and sort of American society today is that it is so bitterly polarized and divided that every new piece of information tends to reinforce to everybody that they were right all along. So no matter what they felt, uh, what side of this debate they were on, I think a lot of people will use this as evidence that they, they in fact, were right all along, no matter what. Eamon, um, you've got a huge uh, 48 hours ahead. So thank you very much indeed for starting off your coverage uh, with us here in Europe as well. We do appreciate it. We know you're a busy man.
Uh, Eamon Javis there updating us uh, from Washington. Right. Okay. there's a lot going on in the markets, as you can imagine. Um, Brent and Lightsweet Crude, the global benchmark and the U.S. benchmark, losing a buck, basically, uh, a dollar on the back of this latest news. Again, just will reiterate it, keep reiterating it, that uh, Donald Trump and the First Lady have tested positive for COVID-19. 2.5% that equates to in WTI now trading below $38 a barrel. Let's just give you another little look at one or two of these markets as well. Uh, as Jeff said earlier on, you've got limited activity on the Asian markets. The autumn uh, holidays uh, in China means you do not have those mainland Chinese markets as well, but you can see the Nikkei down nine tenths of 1%. US futures remain downbeat. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market moving news, you can head to cnbc.com. Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick, and Karen Cho. Weekdays on CNBC.